podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. Sean Francis is chair and CEO of MedCan, and he's author of a recently released book entitled Eat, Move, Think, The Path to a Healthier, Stronger, Happier You. He was a student in my very first total leadership class for executive MBAs at Wharton way back in the day. And his company now, MedCan, is a global leader in assessing their clients' overall well-being and inspiring them to live well for life. It's routinely recognized as one of Canada's best-managed companies. Sean graduated from the United States Naval Academy after he was nominated by then-President Reagan to attend as a Canadian. He received the military's highest recognition for a civilian later in his life, the Canadian Forces Medallion for Distinguished Service, for his work on behalf of veterans. He's received an honorary doctorate and countless other awards. Sean co-led an expedition to the summit of Island Peak, which is adjacent to Mount Everest, with 12 injured Canadian soldiers raising funds for the True Patriot Love Foundation, which Sean chairs. Sean and I talk about the importance of our physical health for longevity, quality of life, and our work performance. We drill down on the best diet, the Mediterranean, and how it's a sustainable one, not just a fad. We talk about cardio as a way to prolong life and muscle strengthening as a way to improve the quality of one's life over time. We discuss how the mind and the way we exercise our choices is central to healthy living. And we delve into the pernicious impact of the stigma of mental health care. Sean uses the example of wounded warriors the most fit people among us, succumbing to mental health problems as an illustration of how we're all vulnerable to mental strain. We also talk about the importance of being role models for our children. I hope you like the Work and Life podcast, and if you do, I would much appreciate it if you would take just a minute to please rate and review it on iTunes so others are more likely to find it and enjoy it too. And now, without further ado, get set to listen to and learn from a true expert on health and wellness for you and your business. It's Sean Francis. Welcome, Sean. Stu, uh, welcome. Uh, really glad to be here. Thank you very much. Well, it's it's great to have you here, Sean. And before we talk about your new book, Eat, Move, Think, I have so many questions about it. Give us uh, a, just a, a brief 
um, overview of what MedCan is all about. What is it? Why has it been perennially a best company? And uh, what is your, your secret for success? Well, you know, I, I think you just mentioned, uh, Stu, I was in your first uh, class on total leadership. So uh, interestingly, uh, you know, it, it actually, I, I can't attribute all of my success to your classroom, but you certainly had, did have an effect on me. <laughs> and I think nice I recall uh, when I first got the uh, syllabus for your class, yeah. it might have been around the holiday times. And it, I, I thought I was signing up for a class on work-life balance. Mm-hmm. and you had a ton of pre-reading, and I thought, God, I'm not going to be able to have any of my holiday time. <laughs> they shot you off, a pretty snarky email. I think I remember that. Knowing you. Yeah, I said, <laughs> I thought, what do you mean work-life balance? This is crazy. I mean, we're not going to be able to even have Christmas dinner. And you said, Sean, you will soon learn it's not about balance, it's about integration. Hmm. So uh, how prescient that was. That was and my snarky reply to you. That was your, yeah, no, and I loved it, and it, Honestly, uh, it really held true, and everything I uh, learned in your class, Morton, hmm. uh, really had an effect on me. And you know, the quick uh, story is that I uh, had been in the. My dad's a physician and had founded a healthcare business um, mm-hmm. in the late '80s. And I, after being in the military, uh, gone to the Naval Academy. I worked at Morgan Stanley Wall Street. Worked with him for a few years in the in the family health business which did a variety of things at the time, and then went to a health tech company in San Francisco. And while I was at this health tech company, which was when the internet was first being commercialized, uh, I decided I had such a senior position there in finance, it would behoove me to have uh, an MBA. And, and mm-hmm. so I decided to go back to Wharton in the executive MBA program because it fit my, uh, my schedule of working hard and, and still accomplishing my, my business degree. And mm-hmm. so among uh, classes I took there, including yours, I did one class, I believe it's for uh, Terry Lapierre, uh, and I did an independent study on uh, entrepreneurship and and a business case. And uh, I used the opportunity to reimagine my family business and Mm -hmm. uh, saw that as something beyond the myriad of of services that we're in and and reimagined ourselves as really a leading edge integrated uh, care center that would provide uh, really what's now known today as concierge care. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other integrated services, and flesh that that case out uh, in at Warden, frankly. And in 2002, when I was finishing up at Warden, I agreed with my uh, my father that I'd come back and and take over the business from him as president. And, and frankly, that was really the beginning of of implementing what was really a business case that I had. Uh, inked at the Wharton School, and I began to hire some amazing people because, of course, you know, no idea will come to life unless you have a great team, uh, and that's what we got about uh, building. So MedCan today is more from not just a clinic, but we're we're an or- organization. So for years, we people would come in and they'd have their annual medical, annual physical, and we would identify that they're at high risk potentially of, of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And then we'd say, hey, why don't you quit smoking and don't drink as much, work out more, eat better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over time, uh, two things happened. One is people said, hey, that's great, uh, but I am sick, doc. Can you be my doctor? And that, that really launched us into the concierge care business. Mm-hmm. And then in addition, I got tired of, of giving that advice and not actually giving our clients the tools to, to do something about it. And that, and that got us into the fitness business, really the food business, uh, the genetic testing uh, mental health. I mean, you name it, the toolkit you need to really affect behavior change. 
we've been getting into over time. So today we're, we're fully integrated. We can tell you where you're at in terms of a health risk. Uh, we can certainly help you navigate the health system as your physician. Uh, but most importantly, I think today we're able to inspire you to affect better, better health behaviors mm-hmm. uh, through a pretty hands-on uh, approach. So, you know, that's our, our business today, and we are probably the, 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 one of the largest in what we do globally. Uh, though, you know, it's ever, ever challenging to keep growing a physical healthcare business beyond uh, our geographic roots, but we're, we're doing that too today with uh, the digitization of, of MedCan as well. Hmm. So I, hopefully that answered a little bit of well, your question. So Thank are you, you for, for the, the start. Yeah, so you're, so you're reaching clients now globally, not just Canadian? Uh, we are. Um, so we have people physically who fly into our location here in Toronto globally, um, but we also have a, uh, a digital platform where people can uh, deal with our docs, uh, indoor uh, fitness uh, professionals, coaches, uh, therapists. It seems like everyone is in this game today, but we mm-hmm. uh, are in the uh, we, we provide the digital platform to engage visually with all of our providers. And how do you compete uh, in in this very crowded space, uh, or what you describe as a, a space that is increasingly crowded now, the digital uh, healthcare? You know, um, there's so many people getting into it. Uh, it's it's super prevalent, of course, across the U.S. Uh, every insurance company is now offering it as uh, really one of the many benefits that you get. And I think it's a struggle for these large companies to to succeed and make money in this. And so they've had to embed themselves with large insurance plans mm-hmm. and or employer, self-sponsored employer plans. And, uh, you know, the, the, what you don't get from these, these large telehealth platforms, you, you do get convenience. Uh, you know, you get a prescription for your mundane health, health issues. Mm-hmm. What you don't develop is a long-term physician or therapist relationship. Hmm. And so where we will differentiate is really those long-term relationships, not to say we don't have to be uh, able to see you quickly on a moment's notice, get that prescription out, um, because those are table stakes. But we do need to, you know, in my opinion, mm-hmm. offer a much deeper uh, relationship that you can rely on and, and come to trust over time. Mm-hmm. So how, how does your service sort of complement or relate to the national service uh, offered by the Canadian government? Uh, well, you know, people, when you talk about Canadian healthcare, it's, uh, you know, there's so many different systems in the world. The, the one thing they all have in common, including the U.S., is you have a huge portion of them which are uh, influenced, uh, regulated by the government, and, and there's large government reimbursement. Uh, so in the U.S., uh, if you're over 65, you're, you have Medicare, you're uh, if you're under some sort of a po- poverty threshold, you have Medicaid. Of mm-hmm. course, you have now Obamacare, which is attempting to ensure those people who fall through the cracks. Uh, Canada is not okay. So the difference in Canada is that we have a uh, it's a it's a system that is regulated by in each province, um, but it's a single payer system. Mm-hmm. So just imagine Medicare, except everyone's covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, the challenge is. Uh, so the, the providers themselves are not owned by the government, uh, so they're for-profit and not-for-profit. The hospitals are almost exclusively not-for-profit, um, but there's extensive regulation. And because the government is the sole payer uh, for many services, mm-hmm. uh, primary care and acute care, uh, they only have so much money. And, and mm-hmm. that money is not keeping pace with demand. 
And, and because they've mandated themselves as the single payer, uh, there's, there's really the irrational care. So there's, there's big waiting lists mm-hmm. for, uh, really for, for pretty much everything, right? So w- whether it's you know, primary care, you're going to wait, but not, not that much, but expect yourself to walk into a clinic and maybe wait a couple hours to see a primary care dog. Mm. The emergency room, you know, could be several hours to 12 hours. Uh, and then if you have a, not life-threatening, but sort of an urgent medical issue. It, it really could be months and months before you're diagnosed. I see. Several months after that to get a surgery. So that's and where we play is if something's not insured, we can offer the service. Mm-hmm. And so your annual physical, that sort of four-hour executive physical, that's, yes. that's a non-insured service. Right. I actually uh, I took one, as you may recall, about 10 years ago when you hosted me, uh, when my, my first book on Total Leadership came out, I... Uh, uh, went through that. It was it was very instructive, very helpful. So that's that's a that's a value added service that you provide. You know, there's so much more that I'm interested in hearing about with respect to, you know, the policy environment that you operate in. But there's tons of other stuff that I know listeners are going to be even more keenly interested. So I want to move us to uh, the the book and why you wrote it. Eat, move, think. What inspired you to? Uh, to put your knowledge or to gather the knowledge that you wanted to put into this, into this very practical guide? Well, you know, um, so I've been writing for, you know, we have a, a newsletter we distribute to clients now for, for a couple of decades, and mm-hmm. I've been writing actively in that for four decades on a, on a variety of topics. And, you know, personally, I've had my own you know, experiences with trying to you know, be more fit, you know, live the best life, uh, integrate, as, as we learned in your class, more, more effectively. And so I've been on that journey myself. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of writing uh, on, on policy topics, frankly, uh, op-eds for our national newspaper in Canada, uh, and have been engaged that way. And, and to be uh, frank, I, I have a great book agent, one of the best in Canada. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about a book I wanted to do originally on policy. So apropos of you saying, hey, enough about policy, let's talk about wellness. <laughs> he said, Sean, if you want 14 people to read your book, you write a book on policy. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I had to change the topic. Yes, you, yeah, you get so, it. Okay. So said, well, that's, that's not, that's a lot, seems like a lot of work for a small audience. <laughs> and he says, why don't you talk about your life and what you're mm-hmm. doing in business and mm-hmm. stuff that you do with veterans and, and your journey in health. Yes. And that really became the genesis for uh, Eat, Move, Think. Mm-hmm. And we signed with Simon Schuster, and uh, that was really the beginning of the journey. The title comes from a the, the head of the American College of Preventive Medicine. We had a conversation one day about you know, longevity and healthy living. And I was talking about my book. He goes, well, you know, it's, it's simple, Sean. It's, it's even think. And I thought, you know, that would be a brilliant way to not just entitle the book, but also put all of our chapters within those categories. Mm-hmm. It's a super simple way of thinking about, you know, how do you affect longevity and happiness? All right. So let's get into it. What are the essential bits of wisdom uh, I know you're not going to give away the whole story. We don't have the time for that. But what what are the big ideas uh, that you want to make sure people know about in Eat, Move, Think? Well, I mean, you start with the title, and that's what's so uh, awesome about the simplicity of it. Uh, you know, let, let's let's come back to uh, uh, the eat part. You know, again, I, I described how we have these patients, and we only sell them to get more active, lose some weight, don't drink as much, quit smoking, uh, get some sleep, and that. And, these are basic things, but most people don't do it, right? Hmm. As we know, we have an obesity epidemic. Uh, you know, I was uh, in Seattle this weekend, and the I, I want to say it's the Shake Shack. It had a <laughs> – the line was – it literally extended around two city blocks, and I thought, you know, 
I'm, I'm sure the food is amazing, <laughs> but it's like this is where we are as uh, as a world right now, right? So people might know they should eat better, uh, but I don't think the you know the habits are moving along that quickly. So you know, start off with uh, the diet. You know, all the evidence uh, says, you know, from a from a uh, best weight, most nutrient perspective, the Mediterranean diet is the one that has the most evidence behind it. And you know what does that mean? That means you're you're mostly green. Uh, that means you know more you know half your plate certainly should be green. Uh, very you know doesn't mean you're, this isn't vegan. It's not vegetarian. It just means that you know you are uh, eating mostly green, right? That means your steak if you're having it, right? Certainly it should not be every night. You know maybe it should be uh, if you're going to do it, you know once a week uh, mm-hmm. at most, right? It's chicken, it's fish, it's your healthy. Healthy oils. It's you know, it's getting sugar out of your diet. The refined sugar. If you're going to have sugar, it should be your natural sugars that you're going to get. You know, for, through through the fruit and every other source that you're having. But not, you know, if you're going to have yogurt in the morning, get the non, uh, you know, the non-flavored yogurt, uh, for example. So I mean, that's there's so many diets. I have so many friends from the Wharton School of Business and Life, right, who are constantly telling me about some new diet that they're on. Yeah, uh, and they go through, you know, they, their weight fluctuates. It's a trend. It's a fad. So, what are you and, telling them in your book that is different than the gajillion books out there on how to eat properly? Well, we don't believe. I don't believe in fads, right? I don't believe. I, I think they're not sustainable. Uh, I think you need to affect small behavior change, mm-hmm. frankly, over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to have, I think, really uh, simple, right? So if you're, uh, and that's what the Mediterranean, I mean, that's the folks in the Mediterranean basin, right? They're eating sort of fresh, you know, farm to, t- farm to table. Yep. Uh, and there's all sorts of evidence that they have sort of the best health from a cardio perspective, from an Alzheimer's perspective, from a cancer perspective, and longevity. And so that's, you know, that's, uh, it, th- that's not that interesting in a way, right? It's not a fad. It's not something, it's not a big acronym. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, what, what we're fighting against is every, every new fad and trend, right? Or, or supplements. Uh, there's all sorts of, you know, get skinny quick uh, techniques. Yes. And what we're saying, there, there isn't. They don't work. Right? So, so, Sean, um, Mediterranean diet, but how to... How, do the, how does the theory of small wins, which is you know a big part of the what works in the total leadership approach? You know, you take small steps to experiment, and then you learn from those experiments, and it's you know it's incremental towards a goal that matters. We know that 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 that's how real change happens. How do you bring that to life in uh, in Eat Move Think? Well, I think you know again, if if if, if, if the goal is a Mediterranean diet, so let's use the example of of. Uh, uh, getting off refined sugars, right? So I know, look, I, I was on Wall Street. I <laughs> I was in the military. I thought, you know, hey, I, I was on a varsity, as a varsity athlete, right? I, I ate whatever I wanted in my 20s and I worked <laughs> out and I just assumed, you know, I was healthy. And, and I got to tell you, I was at my at med camp for my annual physical. My dog said, hey, you know, you could stand to lose a few pounds. And I said, are you kidding? Like, I'm late 20s, I'm, you know, I work out all the time uh, as a varsity athlete. He goes, well, okay, you know, it's up to you. So I told my wife, uh, you know, my doc says I should lose a few pounds, right? That's crazy. And she goes, well, honey, you know, maybe you could. Oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> ouch. You got the word from the expert. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so, uh, so at any rate, I said, well, I mean, my diet was, was really, was, was awful when I think back, mm. right? I, I would consume so much, for, for example, Coke, Coca-Cola. 
I, I never, you know, Diet Coke, forget it. You know, I only wanted the real thing and I would just drink it incessantly. I, when I simply, so let's just, let's assume it's a bridge too far for you to drop Coke uh, and to go to water, for example, which yes. is where I'm at now, but go to Diet Coke, go to Coke Zero. Right? Small so steps. You have no more sugar. It's a good uh, example. No more refined sugar. I dropped 10 pounds with that one change. Unbelievable. Yeah, 10. Literally. In, that must in have been self-reinforcing. Yeah. So, all right, let's, uh, so that's, that's a good summary of the essence of what the eat part is about. How about move? Talk about the importance. What's, what's the big idea when it comes to move movement for our wellness and long-term health? All right. So the, on the move front, think of it this way. Cardio is your length of life. Um, so hmm. uh, you getting, you know, your heart rate up high intensity is going to result in better heart health. Uh, resistance training, right? So working your muscles out, mm-hmm. that's your quality of life. So uh, if you want to, if you want to ski or play tennis or golf when you're in your eighties, uh, well, you got to do the cardio. So you, you are alive in your eighties, um, uh-huh. but you got to work your muscles out because otherwise you won't be able to swing a club, a racket, you know, or get on, get on a pair of skis. And, and that's really, you know, again, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a, huge, a big idea, but you know, nine, you know, ninety-five percent of the population doesn't do it. There uh, it is again. That, that that sort of almost willful ignorance. Now, what? How do you break through that? I mean, let let's put aside why that's you know why that is uh, a problem for people in our society that they don't understand the very basics of of health, of how to take care of themselves and lengthen their lives and the quality of their lives. How do you break through that kind of uh, ignorance? You know, I think, look, our, our whole society, right? I mean, we were we were designed tens of thousands of years ago as hunter-gatherers, and we had very, you know, didn't have any refined sugars. We didn't have fast food. You know, we had to walk for, for you know, to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, our modern society, the conveniences of it, uh, we, we are becoming so sedentary. I mean, Uber Eats, I mean, look, I love it. My kids use it, uh, right? You don't even have to get off your sofa to have any meal you want. Uh, delivered to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, we don't make meals anymore. We don't go to the market, uh, right? It's a totally different society. So it's, mm-hmm. we're fighting, uh, you know, we're fighting really against technology and our, our prosperity. Uh, and to do that, I, I think people know, look, they may not be happy with their weight, right? But how do they reverse it? And I, you know, I think we've got to start much earlier in terms of the education um, and then mm-hmm. it's, just, you know, it's, it's just behavior change, right? It's, it's like, let's start eating mostly green. Let's try to get non-processed foods. Uh, let's try to move every day, right? Like make working out like brushing your teeth. We don't, you know, my kids says they don't brush their teeth. I'm like, what do you need to brush your teeth, right? You got to brush your teeth. It's a stand, you know, that's you know, one of the things we teach you, you mm-hmm. know, as a child. But if they say they didn't, you know, do any physical activity, right? They get away with they that. Go, they get away with it. There's no sort of reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And they have candy and it's like whatever, you know, just... Exhausting to, to deal with, um, but I think we need to exhausting to because let me jump in on that because you're fighting against what is it is it the marketing and commercial you know power of the marketing prowess of the companies that are selling us products and services and technologies for accessing them that are just so convenient and so tasty, yeah, or is it something I, else? I think yeah, I think because super fit people, healthy people are in the small minority. Mm-hmm. You know, we look like we're proselytizing, uh, you know, something that, you know, what doesn't matter when you're young, right? It's like, 
as we age, as, as you age, I think people think about it more. Definitely. Uh, for sure, right? They're facing their mortality. They see an aging parent that just can't, that can't golf in their 80s. They're like, I don't want to be that person. Um, but when you're you know, 14, uh, you know, it's not something you're thinking about. You're going to live forever. Um, so it's how mm. do you adopt these behaviors? How, how do you start young? And, and, and I think that it needs to be part of the family culture, right? And, of course, role models, right? So if mm-hmm. your parents aren't active, right, if they're not eating well, uh, you're not, you know, the, the battle for you to adopt that is, is, is so many times, you know, harder. So what was so, the hardest thing about getting your kids who I should think would be the most amenable to, you know, seeing, you know, effective role models uh, and, and, you know, educated by them as well as anyone? What was the greatest challenge that you faced in getting them to adopt the kind of culture and, you know, inherent value in, you know, eating well, moving well, and we're going to get to thinking after the break. How, how do you know? How did you face whatever was the greatest challenge in getting your kids to have the right set of values about their health? You know, uh, that's a great question. I think I like to think. You know, first of all, uh, it's it's being a good role model. Like I think mm-hmm. that's probably eighty percent of parenting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what what do I do? And are they? They're probably if they don't know they're emulating it, right, they may, they may, they probably will be at some point in their life. So, so being a conscious role model, right. And, and, you know, your 12 year old, if I say, come on, work out with me, right. He rolls his eyes. Like, are you, are you kidding daddy? Right. Um, but you know, if, if you keep it up, you know, I do work out uh, routinely now with my, my 17 year old and, and my 19 year old. Right. So again, you know, they, they love sleeping in and, and this and that, but I, you know, we are, our, our together time is me getting them out, you know, uh, for a spin class or, or run, mm-hmm. you know, I've done a lot of stuff actually with injured soldiers myself. I brought the Invictus Games to Canada. Um, so every opportunity I've had to do something. Can you say again soldier. what you just said? Cause I didn't catch it. Yeah. Sorry. You know, the Invictus Games, uh, so these are, these are a Paralympics type, uh, event created for injured soldiers. Yes. Um, it's an international, uh, it's an international event, mm-hmm. with, uh, a few dozen nations. And it's for our newly wounded. So those soldiers wounded since 2001, uh, mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and interestingly, the Paralympics were created for wounded soldiers in the UK after the Second World War, but it's been really largely civilianized. So the threshold for a newly injured soldier to qualify for the Paralympics is almost impossible. Really? So uh, the U.S. created something called the Warrior Games, and mm-hmm. that's now become a feeder into this international competition founded by Prince Harry called the Invictus Games. And you hosted the, the Canadian? I did, yes. Yeah, I was, I was with Prince Harry in, in Colorado Springs several years ago when he conceived of the idea and said I would bring it to uh, to Canada. So it's been in Orlando, it's with London, Orlando, uh, Toronto, and it's, it's actually going on uh, right now in uh, Sydney, Australia. We've talked a bit about the EAT part We've talked a bit about the move part. Makes perfect sense to me. Uh, and your ideas sound very doable and sustainable and sustaining. Let's talk about the think part. Tell us about that. You know, I mean, I think the think parts too. I mean, I, I you left off uh, just before the uh, the break and I was talking about injured soldiers. And one of the things that has really affected me over the past decade is mm-hmm. the profound uh, effect uh, of family separation, deployment, and combat has had on our soldiers. And You mean psychologically? Psychologically. So 
So we, we finally are talking about it. Um, but you take really the most fit, uh, sturdy people in our society, mm-hmm. and you realize uh, you know everybody is susceptible to to mental health issues, um, especially you know even right those that are most physically fit, most purposeful, mm-hmm. and you know that that's uh, and we you know we of course face this as a healthcare organization where you know we have gosh you know probably more you know about half of our or, or clientele would be on some sort of mind-altering prescription medication, whether that's for anxiety or depression, mm-hmm. uh, for, for for insomnia. Uh, you know, so it's there's all sorts of, of of mental issues, and it and it profoundly affects too. You know, your 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 health, right? And making that decision, you know, to live a healthier, happier life, right? That the mind is the foundation for it all. And unless you focus on your mind and work on your mind, you know, nothing else really comes, comes, comes from it. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's why even though it, we, st- we start talking, eat, move, think is the third section, it almost should be the first because in- until you make purposeful decisions about behavior change, yep. decide where you want to be, mm-hmm. uh, get it frankly from bad to good. Uh, you can't really get to good from good to great. And, and there's just so many issues. And so that's, you know, I wanted to talk about that and, in the book to, to make sure that we understand that re- that really is the foundation to better health. I mean, you, they all do go together, uh, but, mm-hmm. but for sure having a sound mind is, is that pathway. So what are, what are the keys to that in the, that you discovered in your practice, in your research? Uh, what are the essential elements that you emphasize? Because obviously there's few thousand years of philosophy and uh, and all kinds of uh, approaches to to mental health that have evolved over the years that many 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 people spend a lot of time thinking about writing about researching what what did you boil it down to from what you could gather from your research your experience yeah it's um it, it falls in a few different areas I mean I think, I think from a physiological perspective just getting enough sleep, right? You know, and I know mm-hmm. there's books written about this, um, that we as a society don't get enough sleep, mm-hmm. right? So from a foundation perspective, uh, let's let's start with some basic maintenance, right? So if you're not getting your seven hours uh, at night, uh, then you're, you're really starting with a huge deficit, right? And that affects your mood, your emotion, your appetite, your, your ambition to, to move, frankly, or eat better. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all sorts of, you know, studies on that. So sleep is is, is really paramount uh, to this. And if you're not sleeping, there's probably other mental issues. You know why? Mm-hmm. And being on uh, prescription medication, while it can have short-term relief, right, isn't a long-term sustainable strategy. You mean for, uh, for sleep, like Ambien's not sleep. your answer. Yeah, Ambien, Ambien, but there's all sorts of uh, over-the-counter medications mm-hmm. people are on. Uh, and then, you know, you have people, you know, alcohol. I mean, Canada, we're legalizing marijuana, right? We have companies here claiming that it's a health wonder and a sleep wonder. Uh, right, but that is simply a vicious cycle, mm. and, and there's there's other uh, ways to to go about it. So I think you know start with the sleep, but then an understanding that you know you have to work your mind out. Right, it, it is the foundation for everything. Yeah, uh, and if you're not reflective on it, like why you know why aren't I happy? Why do I have the anxiety? Mm-hmm. Uh, why might you know why do I feel depressed at times? Uh, why am I drinking too much? Uh, why might I be on a prescription medication I can't get myself off of? Mm-hmm. Why are my Why don't I have better relationships? Right. So, like, I, like I think people need to start reflecting on their state of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you certainly, important. You, you don't need a professional to to get on this journey, but it can't hurt 
you know, and we very much, I mean, it, it seems, you know, cliche in, in, in LA, everyone seems to have a therapist, or they're certainly willing to talk about it. But in most other parts of the country, right, no, no one will admit having a, a therapist or a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And it, it's There's still a stigma. Yeah, it's a stigma. It is, absolutely. I know. Right? Because I know. if you have a therapist or psychologist, it's because you're sick. Something wrong right? with I, you. Yeah, and I see this. As opposed to something right with you for, exactly. for finding the resources to help you to grow in the mental strength that you need to be able to thrive. Right, and so we see this. Like, let's look at athletes, uh, right? If you're a top athlete, if you're a top 10 tennis player in the world, uh, well, first of all, you... You you have a psychologist all, on your team, for sure. Absolutely do. They all do, right? Of course. And the difference between... The physical ability is the same, right, of that top 10. Mm-hmm. It's the mental edge, mm-hmm. right? Which is why they all employ psychologists, right? Mm-hmm. And when you see people uh, not win a major, right? I mean, you, you basically, you can see real time, even, even the Super Bowl, you can see real time, the mental edge of the team breaking down. So if you're not a top 10 athlete uh, in the world, but you want to take advantage of, you know, the, the idea of taking care of your mental health, and maybe you do live in a society or a culture where seeking that kind of support through a professional is too stigmatized for you to bear. What are the alternatives? Uh, uh, Bill from Boulder, Colorado, was uh, called and left a note here for me to ask you about um, meditation, mindfulness training, which we've done a lot of shows about on, on um, a lot of episodes on, on this show about. Is that a part of the uh, the portfolio of, of uh, support that that you are advocating for, or something else? No, it it totally is right. It's just. Um, you know, it's not, uh, it's, you know, hard to do, right? I'm not, I'm not going to discourage anybody, but, you know, we often will take folks that haven't even begun on any journey from a health perspective and, and getting them to be able to, to meditate. Uh, you know, it's, it's, especially if you go to these multi-day classes, right? Just finding the time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think, you know, I, I 100% endorse and then you alluded to, right? This is, we've been talking about this from, you know, uh, for for centuries, right? Especially in, in Asian uh, mm-hmm. cultures, mm-hmm. and we're now understanding that it can have an amazing positive uh, health impact and mind impact. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly endorse it, and I think there's many classes and ways to activate it. There's apps, right? You can download, and mm-hmm. the apps themselves on your phone, right, can walk you through this mm-hmm. sort of training. This mm-hmm. sort of training, and uh, so I I, to- I think this is that is one of the things uh, that you should be deploying. But you know, I talk about it in my book. You know, I'm not a great meditator, but one of the things I do do when I work out, I put my music on, right? And I try to do a high-intensity workout where I'm not thinking about anything else, right? And that's how I try to start my day, and that, that totally resets my mind. Mm-hmm. So while, you know, it might not be uh, Buddhist-endorsed, it's it's my way of cleaning my head out uh, and, and not letting, you know, all the voices get to me, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and just simple things like even, at, you know, at night when I do when I do wake up or I have thoughts in my head, you know, I try, I really try to you know focus on my breathing, right, and count my breathing, right. Mm-hmm. The old you know counting sheep, right. But you can get good at it, right. And, and oh yeah, time I, I fall back to sleep, right. So these it is, is a skill you can develop with practice. It is, it is absolutely, and it's it doesn't have to be meditation, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's all sorts of you know hacks you can do that are in the family uh, before you become somebody you know full fledged in that journey. So it's really just being reflective and knowing your mind as best you can, which, of course, for all of us is a lifelong journey to try to discover 
who we are, what's in our mind, what makes us tick and what motivates us, but to be thoughtless about that aspect of our lives, to, to dis- disregard it is, is, a, is a risk factor, is, is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think you really have to understand, uh, you know, you know who who you are. You know, why are you having these emotions? Not let the emotions own you. Uh, you know, if you're if you're not having any good relationship, you know, you got, I think there has to be some self-reflection. You know, so so yeah, that's the beginning, which is really an acceptance. The mind is critical to everything, mm-hmm. and and we are emotional. Uh, you know, and, and understanding it, and knowing when you feel it, and then and then being curious. Right? Is it uh, you know why, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not and not having medication, alcohol, or, or marijuana be be the fix. How did your research on this book change how you live your life, Sean? Well, I mean, it, it's those simple hacks I just been talking about, Stu. Right. So I really, uh, I mean, going back to the eat, uh, I con and I travel just a ton, so I, I really try to. Uh, you know, my, half my plate is going to be green, uh, right? So over over time, I, I keep dropping. Dropping sugar, I used to have sugar in my coffee. You know that's gone. Uh, you know, used to have, love to have, you know, steak and fries. And you know, first went to steak. Not that I don't have it ever, right? But mm-hmm. I, I don't have it repeatedly. And then, and then went to fries, right? Or that's more like a treat. So over time, I've I've uh, made modest changes to my my diet so that I'm getting mostly green uh, and off refined off refined sugars and even off the now the diet coke, right? So I'm on a water, sparkling water, mixing feel, uh, you know, more full. Uh, so, you know, I, I go for that as opposed to the snack. Um, so that's had a huge impact on me. The, just, just the eat part. Now, what about changes like in your, in your family life? Have, did you, have you done anything consciously or deliberately as a result of your research on, on eat, move, think to make adjustments in how you live as a family? You mentioned working out with your kids. Great if you can do it, if you can persuade them to be uh, active with you. Any other thoughts about uh, your role as a parent, as a spouse, that have been informed by your your work, your practice, and, and this book? Yeah, well, I think uh, you know it goes back a bit to the mind part and maybe just uh, experience, which is you know over time I've, I've developed uh, you know the view. You know, I, I really my best influence on my kids is as a good role model, right, and give them the support and the love that they they need. Uh, but if I'm not uh, living sort of my, my best life, how can I expect them to be? Mm-hmm. If I don't have positive, good relationships in my life, you know, again, can I expect them to be that way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's re- you know, really the journey we've been on as a family. And and also, yeah, at a certain point, I have teenagers. I have one son in university now. You know, you realize you can't control your kids, right? You can only, <laughs> right? I mean, because you, you, you start off, right, as babies, toddlers, uh you know, uh, in betweeners, and, and you want to, you know, you're, you're especially in our age, age and day. You know, we want to you know, develop them into professional athletes and get them in, a, you know, the Wharton School. And you know, you just you realize that uh, you know you, you only have so much influence. I, I actually, you know, I all, we also are big in the field of genetics, and I once asked uh, this famous geneticist, uh, physician at Harvard, Carrie uh, Stephenson. So Carrie, I have three boys. They're all totally different. And he said to me, Sean, so my question was why, right? Because you always say, oh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, three, you know, parents, same, same home environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He looked at me like that was the dumbest question I've ever asked him. It is pretty dumb, Sean. Right. <laughs> and he said, it's all your genes, right? It's impossible. They're all different, right? So, <laughs> of so my course. point is, 
I can't expect them, like they're not going to be mini me's, right? They're not going to do what I did. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so I, you know, that was a real uh, awakening, you know, for me. And I think my relationship with my boys is really matured over time by, you know, just really helping and supporting them. Each uh, one separately for what they need, because of course they're all very, very different. Totally different. Right. That was that was the mantra in our household with the kids growing up. Everyone's different. And we we said it all the time, and and that's how we tried to to live in terms of what, you know the support that each of our kids needed from us. I want to ask you about how all this relates to work. This this show is called Work and Life, and so how does healthier mind and body affect work? How how do you see that playing out with your clients uh, and in your own organization? Well, you know, I I, I think uh, you cannot be an effective employee. Uh, professional executive, right? If you don't have sort of the fundamentals down, right? So, so first of all, if you're if you have family issues, if relationship issues, mm-hmm. if you have addiction issues, mm-hmm. it's impossible to be fully functioning, right? Impossible, especially at the pace of business today and some of the best companies today. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have your your family life, your personal life in order, right? You just you just will not uh, keep pace. Uh, you know, that's on the mind side right uh, and then you know frankly if, if you don't have your health right if, if you if you if you physically don't have the stamina uh, that too is going to take an impact right these things are all connected of course so, you know, yeah it's like I, I think if you're going to be at the top of your game whether it's in sports or in business at any level right at any level of employee mm-hmm. at any level of professional mm-hmm. you know you will function better right if you if you're in control of your mind it's not in control of you right and, and if you are at a healthy weight and you're active uh, and you have good relationships uh, with your family, with friends, and you feel like you have purpose, mm-hmm. right? you're gainfully engaged. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the big discoveries in, you know, in dealing with, with soldiers. I mean, if you, know, you know, what happens when you say you have uh, ment- you know, mental issues, post-traumatic stress? Yep. Well, rightfully so. They say, well, you know what, you, I, can't send, I can't send you back to Afghanistan. Well, the thing that that fellow wants to do most is go back to Afghanistan, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And, and now all of a sudden, not only are they, are they sick, uh, they are no longer gainfully employed, right? And it's probably a slow march potentially out of the military, which, you know, it's a really com- complicated situation. But I, I, I say this because my point is it's a then a vicious cycle because now your whole identity, your purpose in life is over. And trying to regain that purpose mm-hmm. is extremely difficult, right? And the athletes go through this, actors, all sorts of people that are in one career and then Literally, they turn around one day and they're out of it, right? Or or young people in a profession or executives, Mm -hmm. and they retire, right? And you hit 65 or the the 70, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Your firm says, we know what, you got to retire. You're an airline pilot. You're 65 or even younger now, you're gone. So do you help people with that? And how? if so, how? Um, You know, yes, uh, yes. And that's really on the psychology side, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's the, uh, you know, first of all, people wanting, want to, you know, they need to want to engage. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. a conversation, you know, we, they, they would have with us on the psychology side, which is, you know, don't define yourself. You know, if you're, if you're solely defining yourself on your profession, right. Uh, that's probably not a great long-term strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but you, you know, ideally you, you don't have that conversation when they're 65, uh, or, or worse, they're, they're 70 and, and, uh, they're not happy with where they're at. Right. So this, these are conversations that have to, to begin, Early on, and it's, it's yeah. the sort of thing we did in your class, which is, you know, if you want to put time into the community or to, to identify, uh, have an identity beyond your profession, what are you doing about it, right? And if you have 100% allocated to work, 
and nothing in the other categories, right? I'm, I'm telling you one thing, in, in 10, 20 years, you're not going to be a happy person. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, yeah, because you really do need to invest in the different parts of your life. And the good news is that you can do it, especially if you take this approach of small steps towards the big idea. Um, 100%. And I'm sure that true patriot love is is part of that for you, right? Yeah, look, I, I, I've been in every you know, perf- you know business job where, you know, gosh, I started at Morgan Stanley in the early 90s on Wall Street. And, you know, 80, 90 hour weeks. I'm not, no, no joke. That was the norm. Uh, you know, so if you don't start to own your, your career, you know, it will, it will own you. And you start to imagine what do I, you know, what do I imagine my life to be? Uh, you know, and so for me, I mean, ultimately it's my dream to be a, a business owner and a, and a CEO. And so I, I do have the ability to influence, you know, what, what my day look looks like, but also my life. Right. So I've been able to give back and do things I like to do mm-hmm. you know, beyond business. Right. So starting a veteran charity in Canada, uh, I thought I felt it was a responsibility of mine, right, mm-hmm. to give back when I had classmates from the Naval Academy and, in, and friends in Canada serving and not coming back from Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm. So what am I doing about it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, what I could do at the time was, was raise money, right? And I, and I continue to do that, and it's led to so many uh, new friends and relationships mm-hmm. and experiences. You know, it's, it's affected me positively in ways I'll, you know, I can never quantify. Of course. Uh, before we close, let me ask you a question I've been asking all my guests this year, and that is, how do you bring compassion to your working life? Well, that's a great, um, that's a great question, Stu. You know, I think, uh, you know, first of all, I don't, I try not to react to situations, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, like, like silly tactical things where, you know, if something goes uh, wrong, right, I don't immediately react, right? I take an opportunity to think about it. I take an opportunity not to send an email quickly. Uh, you know, I take an opportunity to, to think of, you know, the, the person in the other shoes, Mm. Uh, you know, and then, you know, just really trying to get to know the people I can get to know on, on a deeper level, uh, mm. you know, is what I really, you know, uh, try to do for, in a workplace mm-hmm. uh, setting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, also not beat myself up. I mean, there's only, like, like mm. with my ch- children, there's only so much control I have, <laughs> right? You know, and so I know, look, you know, that the company had a bad day. We had an IT outage, for example, right? It happens. Stuff happens, right? It's how mm. do you respond to it, right? How do you how do you uh, yeah. how do you come back from it? What do yeah. you learn from it? And, right? that's, and not getting angry and not yelling at people, you know that that that's not positive, and it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't help. It's really stepping back and being reflective about all the different aspects of your life, and that's what I take to be the big idea here in in Eat, Move, Think, and your wonderful new book, Sean. Uh, how can people learn more about uh, your book and the other great work you're doing? Yeah, well, you know, uh, the book is available uh, on, on that little bookstore, uh, Amazon. So, uh, <laughs> Heard of that. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, you've just uh, put me in the system, Sean Francis, uh, S-H-A-U-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S, Eatman Stink, and the book is available on my company's Medcan, M-E-D-C-A-N.com, and I have a website, seanfrancis.com. So, uh, and, and by the way, my email is on the website as well, so I'm delighted to take any, any questions from people. Uh, Fantastic. From people listening. Sean, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. Yeah, real pleasure to be right to, to, to circle back after all these years. Indeed. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sean Francis and that it provoked your thinking, prodded you to come up with some new ways, some doable ways of taking care of yourself. 
so you can really be there for those who love and depend on you. So here's a challenge, an invitation. Consider taking a small and sustainable step toward a healthier you. Someone who's truly leading his or her life and not always reacting to whatever's right in front of you. Perhaps you'll experiment as Sean did with cutting out sweetened drinks or at least going from high-test Coke to Diet Coke. Perhaps you can try engaging with a family member in a run or even just a walk. Or is there some way you can invest a few minutes each day on reflection, thinking time, about how things are going for you in your important relationships and what you can do to strengthen them? Let me know if you try any of these suggestions or any other ideas that might have occurred to you while listening to this conversation and what you discover. I would love to hear from you, so get in touch with me directly. It's friedman at wharton.upenn.edu, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 132, Business Radio Powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, go to workandlifepodcast.com. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, visit totalleadership.org and check out my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate it on iTunes, and share it with your friends, your family, and your coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.